Well, good morning on this uh, earlier than usual morning. You're looking so bright, it's amazing. We are now in the first Sunday of Lent as we have these 40 days where we turn our hearts and our minds to focus on the cross of Jesus Christ and the great sacrifice that he paid for you and me that we may have life eternal. 40 days, by the way, not including Sundays. Sundays are a day of resurrection and celebration. But we do turn our hearts and our minds to the Lord. And matter of fact, the name of our series is Turn. And I want you to think about this. You want to be very careful about the way you turn, where you turn. It could be dangerous if you make a wrong turn. There's a made-up and silly story about a man and wife who moved to a new town and he was driving home uh, the, from the very first day of work and his wife called him on the cell phone and she said, honey, I just heard on the radio that there's some nut that went onto the off-ramp, onto the freeway, going the wrong way. Please be careful. And he said to her, it's worse than that, dear. I'm on Highway 280. It's not one car, it's hundreds of cars. <laughs> It's a dangerous thing to make the wrong turn. And so this morning, I want you to think about this. You want to be intentional and prayerful about how you turn. Because it will determine the direction, the results, the outcome of your life. And so it's like you're at a fork in the road and you have to make a turn. If you turn one way, it leads in one direction. It has the results. It leads to an outcome. If you turn the other way, it's a different direction, different results, a different outcome. And so we stand at the fork in the road. Every single day, we make turns. Now, I do want to give you one caveat in this because the gospel changes everything. That if you've made a wrong turn in your life, maybe something that's been devastating, I want you to know that you are not now destined to the rest of your life being one under condemnation and guilt. There's no such thing as second-class citizens in the kingdom of God, but it's through the gospel that God restores, he forgives, he restores, and he gives to us the fullness of life in Jesus. So the gospel changes everything. But at the same time, we want to be very careful about the turns that we make in life because it does impact us and those around us. And here's what many people kind of forget is that there are two turns, basically, that you make. You turn towards something or you turn away from something. And the reality is when you turn towards something, you're actually turning away from something whether you know it or not. For example, if you turn and go north, you turned away from south. If you turn toward healthy eating and exercise, guess what? You turned away from things like sitting on the sofa, just stuffing ice cream down your throat. And it's especially true when it comes to our relationship with God. And many times we try to fool ourselves in this area. We, we can turn away from God but we pretend that, no, we haven't. We've, we are still turning toward him. We like to act like we have. We're deceived to think that we can 
walk away from God but still look like we've turned toward him and it is a real danger and you don't want to fool yourself in this regard because it could be devastating especially when it comes to temptation so today we look at temptation where do you turn you see temptation is a very real and present danger isn't it we are involved in a warfare in a war against an enemy. I don't know if you noticed, but when you walked in this morning, you had a target on your back. Did you know that? Actually, it's been there ever since your baptism. When God, by grace, brought you into his family, you were given spiritual birth, you were given true faith in Christ, made a child of God, but ever since then, you've had a target on your back by an enemy who wants to turn you away from God and separate you from God. Peter, the leader of the early church, one of the original 12 disciples, he wrote to the Christians all over the world to tell them about this reality that we have an enemy. Here's what he wrote in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You have an enemy. Now he's called the devil. Devil, actually, in the Greek, it's a word diabolos. It means slanderer. He's one who accuses you and tries to divide you from God. He tries to separate you from God. And you need to know about this enemy because if you don't know about him, you're vulnerable to his attack. So let's look a little bit at his strategy to use temptation to cause you to turn away from God and, to, and, and so to be caught up in sin and turn towards sin. James chapter 1, verses 13 to 15, we see a little insight about temptation. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted. I want you to catch that. Each person is tempted. Do you know the devil has kind of a customized strategy for you and for me? Probably your areas of temptation could be quite different than mine, but we all have them. And the devil's been around long enough. He's seen our patterns of behavior and things that we practice, and he knows where our weaknesses are, and so he has this approach, this strategy, this method that he uses. And says that each one, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And that's interesting because there he is. He's trying to drag you away. It goes on to say, then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. Now this picture that he, you're dragged away, it's, it's like a fishing picture. It's like a hook in the water that the enemy uses to try to kind of pull you away from Christ. Now here's the thing, it's incremental. It's not all of a sudden. The devil doesn't tell you just to deny God and forget about him. He just kind of gets you to move away from God a little bit, tempting you. Now let's go with that fishing picture because there's no fish that's going to look at a hook and say, hey, just what I've been waiting for. I want to get hooked and pulled out of my environment. I want them to fillet me, cook me, and eat me. Wouldn't that be great? There's no fish, whether they think or not, I don't know that they think very much, but that's not the goal of a fish. 
So what is it that causes a fish to go ahead and go for the hook? It's the bait. It's the worm. It's the minnow. It's the lure. Think about it. And have you ever been fishing and you kind of had to help that fish turn and look at the bait a little bit? And finally the fish thinks, I want that bait. That looks really good. And all the fish is thinking about, if he's thinking at all, is that he will bite that. And he doesn't think there will be any consequences. But when he gives in, when he gets hooked, it leads to death. That's the very nature of temptation. There's the enemy just tempting you. He's got that bait. Now, I don't know what the temptation is for you, like I said, but maybe it's to find your security in material things that really you have some fear about the future. Are you going to be able to cover all the finances? And you can begin to turn away from the Lord and look more and more to investments and look to your possessions to give you security. And it's a very subtle thing, but it's leading you away from Jesus. Maybe it's the idea of pleasure. That there is some overconsumption that the enemy uses to get to you. And so it's dragging you. It's kind of saying to you, come on. Now, I will tell you, the temptation itself is not yet sin. We're all tempted. But when we begin to turn away from God, we begin to move toward that, that temptation, that's when it can be conceived in our hearts. It's what Martin Luther said. You're probably familiar with this. He said, temptation is like the birds flying over your head. You can't keep them from flying over your head, but you can keep them from nesting in your hair. And so the enemy is there to turn us. With pleasure, it might be things like food. That's just the temptation to overconsume or gambling or pornography. Or it could be gossip or it could be watching too much TV. Whatever it is that just kind of leads you away from the Lord. For others, it could be attitudes in their life and emotions that drag them away from really knowing and trusting in Jesus, of turning to him. Things like fear. Fear can get in the way and lead you away from God. And we, we fool ourselves. We say, no, I, I still am moving toward God even though fear is dictating my life. A fear of failure, a fear of what others think of me. And we let that get to us. And it, and it causes us to make decisions that are not what God wants for us. Or perhaps it's a guilt, ongoing guilt that you haven't forgiven yourself where God has and you're allowing that to lead you away from the forgiveness in life God gives. Maybe it's anger that you just can't forgive someone for what they've done and what you don't realize is it entrapped you and now it's leading you away from the Lord. There's all kinds of bait that are used. And so I say to you, in the face of temptation, where will you turn? How you will, will you handle this? You're going to turn to yourself? Are you going to overcome the temptation? Are you going to have the discipline and, the, and grit your teeth and determination that I'm not going to give in? Uh, good luck with that. Because we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 where you have Adam and Eve who were sinless. They were perfect. Unlike us, we are sinful, fallen human beings and we deal with that. But there was Adam and Eve perfect in their relationship with the Lord God, and yet they gave in to temptation. So do you think you'll be able to withstand that temptation? Or look at the text we just heard from 1 Corinthians 10, talking about the people of Israel, the ones who were 
by the miracle power of God delivered out of Egypt, they saw God do great things, opening up the Red Sea, and they came through the Red Sea, which Paul says was a type of baptism. They were baptized in the Red Sea. They came out into the wilderness, and there they had spiritual food, and God provided for them. They saw the power of God, and guess what? They were tempted. They began to grumble. First, there was no food, and then they didn't like the food they had. The same old manna every single day. And it was really at the heart of this was idolatry. They began to move away from God. And it led them to a destination where they died in the wilderness after 40 years. It was the next generation that God then led into the promised land. So here's the reality. Isaiah said it well. We are all like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. No one has overcome temptation. Not one single human being except Jesus. That's what the gospel lesson is about. Jesus, God's son. He was baptized, which he did in order to say, I'm, I'm now confessing my solidarity with sinful human beings. I who know no sin, I'm becoming sin on their behalf. And then he was led into the wilderness for 40 days. Do you think that was by accident? The wilderness is a reference back to the people of Israel who failed. 40 days, a reference to the 40 years. You see, Adam and Eve failed. Israel failed. You and I, we fail. But Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness. Now look at the temptations. The devil said, Turn this stone into bread. I mean, he'd been fasting 40 days. I would think he would be hungry. And so this is a real temptation. And as he said that, I want you to notice he said, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And what Jesus did was purely respond with scripture. As a matter of fact, he said no other words to the devil except scripture. That ought to teach us something about this sword of the spirit, the power of God. And Jesus quoted out of Deuteronomy, man shall not live on bread alone. So the enemy then took him to a, a, a high place where he showed them the kingdoms of the world and he tried to tempt him with authority. He said, I'll give you all authority if you just bow down and worship me. And again, Jesus quoted out of Deuteronomy, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What I want you to understand is each of these, what Jesus is doing is taking the devil back, saying, look, Deuteronomy was the second giving of the law to the people of Israel, and they failed, but I will not fail. That's what Jesus was saying. I will fulfill all righteousness on behalf of all humanity. And the authority takes you right back to Genesis 3, doesn't it? Adam and Eve, who first were tempted by food, the fruit of that tree, and then the big lie. If you eat of it, you will be like God. You will be the authority. And yet Jesus responds to the devil. He says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus never moved away from the Father. It's also true in the last temptation where now the devil thought he'd get real clever and he quoted scripture himself, which, by the way, the devil can do. He can try to use scriptures, but he always distorts them, just so you know. And he did that in this case. 
But he said to Jesus, why don't you do a mighty act? Throw yourself down so the Father will have to rescue you. It says that he'll give his angels charge over you, that they'll guard you. In other words, he was saying, do something spectacular so that the Father will rescue you from death. But Jesus knew that he came not to avoid death, but he came for the purpose of going to the cross and dying our death. And he would not give in, so he said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, from Deuteronomy. And so you see, Jesus fulfilled all righteousness. Jesus was the victor in the face of temptation for you and me. Indeed, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We're all tempted. But the question is, where do you turn in your temptation? And we're to turn to Jesus, who won the victory for us. It's not a matter of us trying hard to do what's right. It's a matter of us turning to him. It's what Acts chapter 3, 19 says. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent. Turn to God. Now, you make turns every single day. Turning is a component part of repentance, and Luther really said it well in his first thesis that he nailed to the church doors at Wittenberg when he put it this way, that when our Lord and Master Jesus said, Repent, he willed the entire life of believers be one of repentance. That every day, every day we would repent. Every day we need to turn to the Lord. Now, we do that. Why? So that we remember what he has done for you and remember who you are. This is not a matter of us just not doing naughty things or do things that are ungodly. This is a matter of us knowing who we are. Because here's the core temptation. Are you ready for this? It has more to do with, than with physical things or authority. It has to do with your identity in Christ. And that's where the devil goes for the juggler to destroy you. Did you notice that in his temptations to Jesus, twice the devil said, if you are the son of God. He wanted to shake Jesus loose from the Father, that Jesus would forget who he is. But here's the wonderful joy. Jesus never forgot who he is. He went to the cross, trusting the Father, always turning to the Father, fulfilling the will. He did everything we could not, and he died our death so that we may have his life and his righteousness. And so also, I will tell you, it's the devil will try to attack who you are and make you doubt. It's not just about us doing things in a good and nice way. I mean, we'll never get that right. We will daily sin. Have you noticed that? I mean, this last week, I was so proud of myself, I started a new diet. 
It's a plant-based diet, which, by the way, I'm getting tired of it. <laughs> but it's one that uh, is supposed to help you really be healthy. And uh, in the book, it actually says that for the first week, you might be a little grumpy, a little irritable, because what's happening is your body's not used to such healthy eating. It's getting the toxins out of your body. And uh, sure enough, Wednesday night, I was grumpy. I was irritable. I was tired. I was at church. And so I thought I would give an excuse. And I said to, I said to a woman, I said, you know, I'm just on this new diet. It's really making me grumpy. It's, it's the diet's fault. You know, I'm grumpy. And this dear, gracious woman said to me, she said, oh, Pastor John, you're never grumpy. You're not grumpy. That kind of felt good. I thought, hey, maybe, maybe I'm not grumpy. And that kind of built up my ego. Maybe I am okay. I can, I can handle this on my own, I thought. And so here's what I did. I went to the next person. I said, I'm on this new diet. It's really made me grumpy. And I said that not, you know, to confess or anything. You know why I said it? Because I was hoping that next person would say, oh, you're wonderful, Pastor John. Don't say that you're grumpy. And I was kind of moving more towards my ego, me, my efforts. How subtle that is. But it's that we are to, in the midst of temptation, turn to Jesus. And here's what we'll find. He will tell you, you are a beloved child of God. Don't ever forget who you are. Don't ever let the fact that you have failed make you think that you have lost the war because Jesus Christ has won the war. He turned to the cross for you and he turns to you to give you his life. So we turn to him always. Repent and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing will come to you from the Lord about it I want you right now to take a little inventory in your life and in fact if we could just move into a posture of prayer just just close your eyes because what I want you to do is as we come before the Lord where is it that you've been tempted to forget who you are perhaps for you it's you're over-functioning. You, you think that everything depends on what you do and you're trying to control everything around you and it's really not working well because you're not able to handle everything. Perhaps it's you're trying to please other people and that's the driving force of your life and Jesus would say to you, you look to me and follow me for I give you your worth. Perhaps for you it's that you have that fear that's gotten a hold of you, or you've been moving in the wrong direction away from God, and you've been pretending that it's okay, that you can handle this, and God is saying to you, no, turn to me. Turn to me and don't forget who you are. 
a forgiven child of God deeply loved. So Lord, would you move in our hearts and our lives today and by the power of your spirit, let us never forget that we've been baptized and we've been immersed in a relationship with you, the Father, with Jesus, your, uh, the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. And that Lord God, we would live our lives in trust in you. May we always turn to you. For in you we have life. In Jesus' name, amen.